mention two of the teams that are brand new that were listed in that rapid fire list. One of them is the global impact team that Pastor Paul mentioned. He's actually leading that team. We have been able to serve around the world, support partners around the world, but never before have we had a pastor that's focused on the area of global impact. And that's what Pastor Paul is going to have one of his areas of focus on. We're thrilled about that. So if you're passionate about that, would you consider joining that team? Because it will be great for us to have some more intentionality around that area. And the second team that's brand new to Mill City is the Mill City Buildings team with an S at the end of it. Because at this point, this church coming together, we now have these two properties that we are seeing as a resource for the kingdom of God. And what you need to know, folks who are uh, Mill City old school, is that the Elam Alumni Buildings team has probably saved Elam hundreds of thousands of dollars by the work that they have done over the last decades. Yes, it's worth celebrating. And... And the reason it's worth celebrating is because that meant that financial impact could go to mission and to go to loving the community and caring for the city because of that work. So if you have some skills or a lot of skills, would you consider joining that team? Just pray about it. You can get some more information if you sign up for it. And Kale, who's on our team, on our staff team, will help just let you know what that's all about. But it's a huge way to give. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's time and energy, but it, it translates financially for the community. So thank you for that team. Consider those. Uh, today we're going to continue a conversation that we started at the beginning of this year called New Beginnings. And it's from the book of Acts as we're looking at the beginning, the birth of the church. And what's important to recognize in this story, just like new beginnings in our lives, is that it's not a new story that's starting, is it? It's like a new chapter in the story. So in the story in Acts as the church is being birthed, it's not a new story. It's, it's God's story being continued, but it's definitely a new chapter. So what we're hoping we can see in this conversation is that new beginnings aren't a whole new story, but a new chapter in a story that God is telling. And so today we're going to head into Acts 2, if you have a Bible, um, but let's pray before we jump in together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this place. We thank you for the blessing of the hospitality of Las Estrellas School, for the opportunity to meet here and worship here. God, we pray that you and your spirit would be present here with us now, but would continue throughout this week and make a different for, difference for the students and the faculty and the staff, the teachers, that there would be a difference because your Holy Spirit is here and present in this space. So God, we usher in your presence. We ask for you to teach us through your word and your story this morning. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the community time question is one of my favorite questions. I love thinking about people who just just give off this air of generosity. I bet it wasn't hard for some of you to think of those people in your life. What's interesting for me is I don't go right away to people who are financially generous, although I do know a lot of people who are financially generous. But when I think of this question right away, I think of people who are like holistically generous with their life. And I, I want to be able to say today that the first person that comes to my mind every time is my mom. And um, I didn't know she was coming today, but she's here. She is holistically generous with everything that she has. But can I give you one specific way that she's generous? Even though she's retired, I know some of you all are retired, right? Air quotes. She's retired, but she currently cares over full-time hours for kids from four different families every month. That's 10 kids. And almost half of them are pastor's kids, so you know how to pray for her and those kids. And she does it for very little financial gain, but she just loves those kids. And it's so much just generosity to give of your time in that way when you don't have to. I think of a certain person in my life came to mind who is just so quick to forgive. Just a spirit of generosity, just giving people the benefit of the doubt. So quick to try to understand people who are different than them. 
I thought of people who are quick to bring a meal or to offer to serve, uh, people who are quick to say, hey, how can I help? And to be thinking of other people uh, regularly, almost like it's a reflex in their life now. And as I think about this, I thought about that team we just mentioned, the Elam alumni team that has given all that time and energy and saved so much over the years so that generosity could be multiplied. There's so many ways I could talk about the people in my life forever, but we'll, we'll move on from that. But it's important to us that we emphasize this idea of generosity because it's a core thing for us at Mill City. And I think right here at the beginning of the church, we see how core it is to the foundation of this new beginning that it makes sense for us to stop and just to say, what does this mean for us as a community? We often, every week, almost every week, I think since this church started, we've said the phrase, generosity is what God wants for us not from us. And so I want to unpack that a bit today because I think our passage that we're going to look at highlights why God wants this for us, the difference that it makes if we're able to receive generosity from God. And while I'd love to just tell stories about all the generosity I see around me, which I do, I think I need to bring up a tension that I think we're all facing. And that is that in the kind of dominant cultures that we live in here in North America, it's getting increasingly individualistic and increasingly self-focused the world around us. And it's not that we shouldn't have a growth mindset about our personal growth and all that kind of stuff, but I hope you can see what I'm saying, that there's just this pull towards, towards away from other people, away from community as a priority and all these different things. And what I think that does is it means it's pulling us away for God's heart for us to be people of generosity. It pulls our minds and our hearts away from how we use our time, our talent, our treasure, other things that start with T, to, to offer to other people. And I think... And this is just what I've been seeing, that the, the way in which this individualism has pulled us away in dominant culture from having a spirit of generosity. I think collectively we're becoming more impatient. Collectively we're becoming less uh, ability to be understanding and, and opening, opening ourselves up to, to different perspectives and how people are trying to understand other people that are different than us. I think this isolation is leading to what some have called an epidemic of loneliness. Have some of you heard that? And they're talking about it in, in media and stuff, that there's studies that are showing that there's this epidemic of loneliness. Never before have, in, in recent memory, have people had less friends than they have right now. An epidemic of loneliness. Also, when people are so self-focused, and I'm including all of, my, all of us, myself included, that self-focus seems like it's going to lead to contentment. But what it actually does is keeps you from seeing the purpose you have as a part of the, of the whole. And without that purpose, we just kind of get disoriented. Psychology and God's word, I think, helps us see that we are wired for belonging and for purpose. Human beings are just made for belonging and for purpose. I think God made us that way. And so no wonder people are struggling when belonging is so hard to find. No wonder people are disoriented when they're wondering what role they play as a part of the whole in the world. I believe that this idea of, of the belonging and the, and the sense of purpose that God wired us for is something that we can experience. I believe it's something that can be a reality for us in our lives, not perfectly, but it can be a reality if we receive the radical generosity that God has for us. Because it's from that that we're able to live that generosity and offer it to other people in our lives. Because when we try to just live generously out of our own effort and our own grit, I think we fall short almost every time. And so when I think about our passage from today here in Acts 2, I think this is one of the most clear and concise passages on what it looks like to experience belonging and purpose that flows from the generosity of God. I hope you'll see that with me here today. Uh, I'm hoping this kind of is our, our main takeaway. I'll put it on the screen. 
Today, I hope that we can let the Spirit lead us to form a foundation of generosity that propels us into the new beginnings. That we can let the Holy Spirit help us form a foundation of generosity that propels us into the new beginnings. So turn with me to Acts 2 if you have a Bible. We'll have it up here on the screen. This is the story of the birth of the church. We've talked about this for these last few weeks, starting in Acts 1. Jesus comes back to life. He's resurrected, and he spends time with his disciples. He says to them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And then as he leaves, he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. What are they supposed to wait for? The Holy Spirit that he's promised to them. And so they go to Jerusalem. They're in a home, maybe 120 people, and the Holy Spirit does come. Coming in this form of what looks like tongues of fire above their heads, and they all are come out into the streets of Jerusalem and they begin to share about the story of Jesus. And as they do that, people are hearing the story of Jesus in their own heart language. It says of all the, the languages and all the nations under heaven are hearing in their own heart language. And then Peter, one of the early leaders of the church, he gets up and he begins to speak about the story of Jesus. And as he's doing that, people are hearing it in their own language. And he gets to the point in the story where he says, Jesus is the Messiah that you have been waiting for. And I want to pick up our story in verse 41, right after he shares that. It says that this is the response. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They, this group, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This story of the birth of the church is so significant here because you see, I think, the foundation of generosity. Do you see that being expressed here? As they're propelled into this new beginning, the first description shows a foundation of generosity. Now, in many ways, we know this description wasn't something that the early church lived out perfectly. Some of you read the rest of the story of Acts. Some of you know a little bit about church history and know that this is a struggle, isn't it, for the church. So I think the best way for us to think about this is that it's aspirational. It's something that we aspire to, not to achieve perfection, not to be people who get it all together and get it all right, but to aspire to something because it's God's heart for us. And I think we know when we read this in Acts that this is really an important part of the story, of all of Acts. Luke, the writer, is saying, pay attention. I want you to pay attention. How do we know he's saying that it's time to pay attention? This is because he starts changing his writing right here to what's called a chiastic structure, a chiasm. Some of you might know what this is. If you don't, this is your seminary for every one moment. Seminary is pastor school. You're all smart, just as smart as all the students there. So what we're going to do is say, well, what's something deeper that helps us understand this? And even though it might seem a little heady, let me tell you why this chiastic structure matters so much. Very simply, chiastic structure, verse 41 through 47, what I just read is in that structure. Nobody writes in a structure like that by accident. So Luke is saying, woohoo, pay attention to this. And what he's saying here is this, this chiastic structure is something that's meant for emphasis. 
right? Or repetition or clarification. And the term chi comes from chi in Greek, meaning X. And in a lot of ways, it's usually the sequence of ideas that's then mirrored. And right in the middle is the main point, or like X marks the spot. That's how you can remember that chiastic. The core idea. So let's look at this visually. Look at the passage visually here. Uh, the chiastic passage. This is the, the verses I just read. And what you can see is that they build towards, put that up there for me. There we go. They, they build up and then they go back. They mirror, right? People turning to Jesus, gathering for worship and community, support each other, share possessions and care for those in need. And then we're back to gathering for worship and community, pointing people to Jesus. And that's through this loving their community in the name of Jesus. So the first one, pointing to people turning to Jesus, comes through Peter's proclamation. The last example is when they are loving their community in the name of Jesus. People join in because they see that generosity. But right there in the middle is the main point. Right there, X marks the spot, is the main point. And it's generosity, isn't it? Supporting each other, sharing possessions, caring for those in need. Luke is saying, hey, everybody, this is what we're talking about. Pay attention to this. You can see here that generosity is not just about sharing possessions and items, right? It's also giving time. Daily, getting together, praying together, eating together, sharing food. Being generous with your time is harder for some people than with their money. That's a reality for a lot of us. And so we see that this leads to something which is people coming to Jesus because of their witness, because of their love for each other, because of how they're loving their neighbors like Jesus invited them to do. And I think what we see here is that generosity is like a magnet, Generosity is like a magnet towards the heart of God and a magnet towards the community of Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. Now, something that's been kind of core to our church here at Mill City for a long time is kind of a simple concept that I'm going to share with you today, especially since there's many of you who are newly joining us. Uh, it's a simple diagram from our friend Mike Breen, and, and this is how it describes kind of the core aspects of what it means to be the church. And you see it here in our passage. Look for it. The core aspects of what it means to be the church and, and how Jesus models this. The first aspect being our up relationship with God. The way we connect with God. Worshiping God. You heard that in the passage. Prayer. Worship. Our in relationship with each other in community. This is the belonging in community that we so desperately need because we're wired for belonging. And then our out relationship, caring for those in the world that God loves. There it is, our purpose, full mission, purpose and belonging. And so this, this concept, worship, community, and mission, this passage shows us that these are at the core of being the church. Now, if you take one of these three things out, you might ask the question, are we functioning as a church? Whether we're talking about a large group, a small group, a house church, a church that's gathering, these three things are, are core to what it means to be the church of Jesus. And so you see this in the passage. Do you see up? They sang praises to God. They prayed together. We know there was personal aspects of that prayer and worship as well. In, they shared meals. They gave their time to each other. Out, they cared for those in need. And then they invited others in to become a part of that sense of belonging in the family of God. So when we think of our lives as individuals and families and as a church, I often just encourage, think of this as kind of like a diagnostic or like a checkup. Think of these three aspects of your life. They're, they're not completely separate, but it's a great way to just say, how is my relationship with God? How am I connecting with God? With other people and on my own. That's the up. What does it look like for me to have community in my life? Who are the people that know what's going on, that are praying for me, that I trust? How am I connecting with other people, even if it's outside my comfort zone? What does community in look like? And then the final question we can ask is, how am I joining in God's mission? Where do I see myself as, as joining in what God is doing everywhere I find myself, 
where I live, where I work, where I learn, where I play, all the everyday spaces, I say, where God's already doing something. And how am I joining in with the larger body to be able to live that mission out? We're not going to do that perfectly. That's not the goal. But you see how it can help us be thoughtful about where we're at as a community and as individuals. It's aspirational, not something that we're going to live out perfectly. It's an invitation from God, not something that we should see as an obligation. Now, can I have one more seminary for everyone moment before we talk about how this applies for our lives? I'm going to keep going before someone says no. Thank you, Anna. Okay, in verse 42, there's a word that many of you are familiar with, familiar with and it's the word fellowship. Yeah, most of us have heard that, that word. It's the word that's used to translate the Greek word koinonia, koinonia. And this is something that happens whenever you're translating languages. Many of you know about this. Oftentimes, the word in the language that you're originally looking at, there is no other word in the other language that mirrors it. So this is an example of that. In Greek, the word koinonia, there is no single word in English that represents that concept. And so I remember, I think it was like my New Testament class in my freshman year of college, and my professor was talking about this, and it stuck with me. I remember that he was like talking about how koinonia, you can't, you know, it's translated as fellowship, but it's really more of a deeper concept than that. He said, it's like there's multiple fellows, and they're all in the same ship. And I was like 18, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so dorky. That is like so dorky. You know, obviously it sticks with you. But I was also like, and I'm sure it wasn't just fellows. It's never just fellows. (laughs) And, you know, whatever. But he went on to explain, and I thought this was so helpful. He said, fellowship or community is the word we often use for koinonia. But that's only one aspect of koinonia. Koinonia is two aspects. It's deepening of friendship and community and connection. But it's also a deepening of common priorities and purpose. It is community on mission. Koinonia is not merely a community or a time of fellowship. It is a community that is on mission, like a ship going in the same direction. Fellowship is not only belonging. It's belonging with a purpose. It's belonging with a purpose. And when we look at this up, in and out focus that we have had, this is koinonia, a community on mission for Jesus. Do you see that? This is what koinonia looks like. This is a picture of that. The church has a purpose. The church has a mission. It's God's mission. God's mission. It's going somewhere. It's a ship or a van or a bus. It doesn't matter, but it's a vehicle. It's going somewhere. It's not just a circle of people staring at each other. It's a circle of people that come around each other, hold hands, and move in the same direction. That's what koinonia is. In the direction of God's mission of love and restoration. Drawing people to Jesus. Caring for those in need. Loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving their neighbor as themselves. Basically what we see described here in this passage. God's mission, this is really important. God's mission, God's goal here is not that there would be a church. Let's think about that for a minute. The church is not an end. Community is not an end goal. God's mission is that there would be People who are joining in, welcoming into who God is, and recognizing that the kingdom of God is coming in our midst, looking for the future hope when Jesus returns. And in this time, the church is being the group of people that announce the reign of God in the world, coming in our midst through our actions, through our words. That's the church's role. The church is a means to God's end, not an end in itself. I remember uh, Professor Craig Van Gelder had said this, and it just has always stuck with me. He said, it's not that the church has a mission, 
but God's mission has a church. Now, we have a mission statement. We say it all the time. Loving our community in the name of Jesus. Yes, but think about this for a minute. The mission of God, the purpose of God is fulfilled through the church. The church is not God's ultimate goal. We see God's ultimate goal, and the church has the privilege to be invited in as the vehicle that God uses to usher in the reign of God in the world. And God uses that church collectively, but also individually, wherever we find ourselves, and as families, and as smaller groups of people. So as we look at this chiastic passage, it shows us how we can aspire as a church. And I hope that we can see here that it's propelled by generosity. Do you see that here? Why, why did the early church focus on the up and the in and the out? Why would this group of people live for the sake of others and for the sake of God's mission, almost like forsaking all else? Why would they do that? They did that because Jesus had first shown such radical generosity to them. They watched him. They watched him serve people, touch people that other people wouldn't touch, welcome in and be inclusive of people that others didn't welcome in. They saw him engage with people and give them dignity. They saw him offer needs that were met, physical needs of food for people in the world. They saw him forgiving people radically. And they watched, many of them, with their own eyes when he gave up his whole life for them. The most radical generosity that's ever been expressed. Jesus giving up everything to show how much generosity and how much love, his very life. So look at this diagram again of our triangle. It's from the up relationship with God that these first people in the church are, are propelled into the community and mission. It's that receiving the generosity from God propels them. Genera God's generosity compels us to live generously. God's generosity compels us to live generously. And, and so when we, like I said earlier, when we try to just, you know, find enough grit to be generous, it often falls short because we have to receive generosity from God. I kind of see this like three-part like progression here, kind of along with our chiastic structure here. First, we receive generosity from God. Up. Generosity deepens community and it propels us in mission. In and out. And then third, generosity is like a magnet that draws other people to Jesus. But number one has to be true of us. Do you see how this is true for the, the new beginning in the early church that we just read? And I think it's true for us today. And so I have just two questions I want you to take with you today, just to ponder today and as you go into this week. And the first question is this. Do we regularly receive the generosity of God in our lives? And this is an important question. I think it looks like receiving God's love, receiving God's grace. For some of us, it looks like really focusing on the reality that we are forgiven. Nothing that's been done to us or what we have done holds us back from God's love. That's receiving the generosity from God. I think receiving the generosity of God looks like deepening our understanding that everything that we have is God's. And isn't it interesting how we convince ourselves that it's ours, but it's God's, everything, our resources, our time, our energy, our relationships, they are all God's. And God leads us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be good stewards of those things. And we won't do it perfectly, but God still gives us the invitation to join in. And when we refocus on that, I think it's so key for us. I think receiving generosity from God looks like actively choosing to pull our hearts away from that individualism and that self-focus that's going to be surrounding us. We're kind of swimming in it. And pulling our minds and hearts towards what God is doing and looking for what God's doing in our lives around us. It's like a muscle 
that we have to strengthen to get used to looking for what God's doing and how we might join in in that relationship at work, in that spot in our neighborhood, in that passion area of justice that we care about. How can we join into that? The God of the universe cares about the big picture and every little detail of all of our lives. That is generosity. So the second question, are we asking God to lead us into deeper community and propel us deeper in mission? And I think this is just a really sincere and significant matter of prayer. I don't throw phrases like epidemic of loneliness around lightly. That is not okay. <laughs> and we have to just come before God and say, help us to be people who are a part of that epidemic not being true in our lives, which it is for some of us if we admit it, and in the lives of the people around us. When we think about how people losing purpose, uh, just it erodes your soul when you don't know the why of your life. And we get to be a part of saying that everybody's story matters in the story of God, and we can join in. This is a deep matter of prayer. And it's not a secret that we all have very full lives. I get that. We're not going to get together every day to break bread and eat in our homes. I get that. People in the first century didn't have cars. They weren't driving. Like, it's a very different time, okay? So let's not put ourselves in a weird shame about that. That's okay. I think it's something that we can aspire to, though, that we have deeper connections. Because even though uh, this isolation and this individualistic culture that we're swimming in pulls us away, I think there's hope for that. But what I think I've noticed is that that, that isolation, that, that sense of self-focus, it's caused some of us to not even aspire for deep community on, purpose, on mission. Have you noticed that? I think this is a spirit of, discern, of discouragement, a spirit of discouragement that comes from the enemy. And I feel like I see people convinced that belonging and purpose are out of reach altogether for them. It's not going to be easy. We're not going to do it every day. But we can pray for, every, for other people every day. And it's never been easier to communicate with people every day than it is right now. And for some of us, it might just be a challenge to say, do I know that every day, in a, even a small way, I'm communicating with people that I trust? Not just in my nuclear family, but other people? Do I know who those people would be? Can we just commit to praying for that for ourselves and for other people? Some of you are the answer to someone else's prayer for that. The people that they know they can trust, that they can connect with every day. I get that a lot of us have lived in our sweatpants a lot for the last couple of years. And we don't want to go out all the time. It's hard to connect with people. It's easier sometimes, and I'm talking for about extroverts and introverts. Sometimes it's just easier to, to not have to deal with the awkwardness of getting to know new people or the vulnerability of having to be honest about how we're doing. Let's just drop the shame and say that's part of life. I get that. Just go in your sweatpants. It's fine. Like, just go. Be with the people. Constant and consistent connection is what develops Koinonia community. Not showing up when we kind of feel like it or even sometimes. And so I just know, I say this out of love because I'm with you. There are just times when I'm like, oh, it'd be easier not to. But almost every time I make the effort, I'm so glad that I did. And when I look back, I see how those relationships actually got deeper. But I hope it's encouraging to you that almost everybody I talk to feels like this is hard. It's not just you. It is very challenging. But what if we were committed to praying about this? praying that God would lead us deeper in community and deeper in mission. We can't maybe sell all our possessions and share them in this idyllic picture that we see, but we can support each other, can't we? We talked about the Meals and More team that comes alongside people. That's a more organized way, but we can do it organically as well. Because what happens when you get to know each other? You start to see each other's needs. 
Maybe that's part of the fear we have about getting into deeper relationships. We don't want to be needy. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know most of you, we don't want to feel needy, but we are. And when we get to know each other, we know how to pray. We know how to serve. We know how to get people connected with needs. Oftentimes that happens more organically. What if we were willing to just commit to praying through this and, and really pressing into this? Why? Because of that third part of the progression. Generosity is a magnet that draws people to Jesus. That's worth it, in my opinion, to push through the awkwardness, the fear that we have of letting go of our stuff that so many of us feel. It's worth it because generosity is a magnet that draws others to Jesus. You see that here in Acts. You see that the story of Jesus' radical generosity causes 3,000 people to join in in one day. You see the story of how these people just day by day loved each other and served each other, brought new people in every single day. People noticed and joined in and got to know Jesus as their leader and savior. That's what happens in the story. Now, our community here at Mill City has grown consistently in the last couple of years. That's why Pastor Adobe is encouraging some of you to come at 8.30. All right, just pray about it, like she said. The coffee's hotter and the parking's better. <laughs> now, obviously, we haven't had like an ax to 3,000 people on a single day. That's not what I'm saying. But since this last year, from a year ago now to today, there's been almost a double amount of participation in all of the ways that we participate. And when I think about that, I think about those of you who have joined us in this last year or two. Think about the Elam alumni that have joined in. And I can say on behalf of all of us old school Mill City people, we're thrilled that you're here. We're thrilled that you're here. Yes, yes, thank you. Clap for the people. But I, I would be lying if I said that I had an explanation for the growth except for one thing. I believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting more people to join into this mission that we have to love our community in the name of Jesus. And when God does that, we better be ready. Because when God's bringing in more people, God's probably saying, we got a next level of this mission for you. I think that's why. When we live into this deeper community on mission, koinonia, it draws people in. Some of you are those people. I'm one of those people. I want to be a part of this community because of you. Because of the ways that you love each other. Because of how you let your heart break for what breaks God's heart. Because you are people who are willing to not stay silent and, to, and you take action when you see people who are being marginalized or oppressed. Because you are people who are willing to, to, to step in and to give your time and your resources and your skills to love other people. And I see you as people who are just so committed to living Jesus-centered lives. To say, if Jesus gave up everything for me, then I can do that for the people that God loves. I want to be people of radical forgiveness. I see that in you. God is doing something here, and we all just get to join in and be a part of it. And that is incredible. That's why I want to be a part of it. And we have, you know, no aspiration to be a big church, but we have a big mission. And so if God is bringing more people, then that is an opportunity that we have. As individuals, we might not be able to be radically generous every single day, but as a group we are. Last year, we were able to meet every single request and more for benevolence support, for partnership in the community, for every need. We were able to do that because of you. That's what it means for us to together to be the, the community of God. So besides the movement of the Spirit, I don't know why we've grown up into this point. But I do have a hunch for what the Spirit might be doing in our community and, and what it's for. Why? I don't know how we got here, but I think I know what it's for. I think it's because God is inviting us into deeper generosity and we'll have the people power to join in to what God is doing. Now, obviously we've got the, the teams and the groups and the ways to get involved, but I want to share something with you. 
as I've been praying about these next 12 months of 2023 and our community, maybe those of you who are like, I'm not sure about this community yet, that's all right. But when I've been thinking about this next year, something's come up in my heart so many times. I think that God is going to give us new dreams and, and visions for what we've called in the past missional communities. Groups of people who say, you know what, I'm going to take it to the next level when it comes to a certain area of mission and join in with other people and have the people power together to say, let's make a difference in that area. Uh, you know, once a month serving, all those things still happening, very good. But this groups of people, before the pandemic, we had folks who were focusing on people experiencing homelessness and the artist community in Northeast and, and folks who were loving refugees. And I have heard from you that even though the pandemic held that back for a little while, I see God birthing things and new beginnings in some of you to say, let's step forward in this way. So I just invite you to pray about that. Uh, there's nothing else to do right now, I think, but to pray and say, God, is there a way, not for everybody maybe, but for some of us, that God is inviting us to take that next level in community on mission together? Something to pray about as we go through this year. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And, you know, as a church, as individuals, as we continue to just look at that framework of up, in, and out in our lives, I think that we, if we ask those questions about connecting with God, with each other, and on mission, we will see the ways that God's moving in our lives all around us. And as a community, we'll see how we can do that. So I just encourage you to take these two reflection questions that we talked about. Do you regularly receive the generosity of God in your life? And are you asking God to lead you into deeper community and to propel you into deeper mission? Will you take that into your prayer and into this time of worship? May we let the Spirit lead us to form a foundation of generosity as we step into the new beginnings that God has for us. Reflect on that as we go into this time of worship.